Tonight's speaker is George. Uh, thanks. Uh, my name is George. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, George. And so before I can, so that I can be in fit spiritual condition to share, please join me in the wee version of the serenity prayer. God, God, grant grant us us serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Once again, I want to welcome Shirley and Barbara and Jessica, newcomers and the most important people in any meeting. You are why we have meetings. Um, Before I begin, I want to sit there and thank uh, those who came before us. I want to thank uh, uh, Roseanne and the people in OA who developed a design for living which uh, helps keep us abstinent. And I also want to thank Bill W. and Dr. Bob and the old timers from um, Alcoholics Anonymous who showed us the 12 steps a way to live happy, joyous, and free. Uh, My name is George. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, give give you a few idea of how I can qualify. I've been in this program for uh, since 2005. My top weight was 260 pounds, um, so I'm definitely a compulsive overeater. Um, by the grace of God and working this program, I managed to uh, uh, release 100 pounds and have kept most of that off for seven years. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, myself. Um, Saying that I'm a compulsive overeater doesn't really talk about the gravity of my problem. I'm actually an ex-junkie, you know, and what I mean by that, the junk I was involved with was junk food. I was in love with every junk food there was. Growing up, I was an emotional isolator, and uh, so my best friends growing up were the Frito Bandito, the Pillsbury Doughboy, and uh, Ronald McDonald, you know. Everybody else was over at your house having fun. I hung out in those places. I didn't want to have anything to do with anyone else. I just wanted to eat more and more. So that was how I was, and this, this, my particular disease carried me throughout my life. I was always the last person chosen for, for any sort of event. And uh, as I went, I uh, started uh, you know, hoarding food, stealing it. Basically, I would do anything to get food if I wanted it. I, you know. So I really didn't have any friends. But uh, what I want you to demonstrate with this is I, what I really have come to understand by working the programs is to understand that uh, it's not that I was an ex-junkie, but I, I, I had a, a serious sickness. Uh, I was what Bill W. called soul sick. And I suffered from uh, selfishness, being self-absorbed, stubborn, self-righteous. And these are the things that really caused me to suffer, caused me to pick up the food and continue to eat it. Um, by the grace of God and, and working this program, I've come to understand that uh, there's another S involved, and that is that um, my original sponsor told me that whatever the problem was that I was facing, the solution was always more spiritual development. And I'm grateful to know that. So, uh, you know, growing up, I, I considered myself to be a... Um, someone who was very um, moral, who worked a, a, a very strong, pro, you know, led a very strong life. I spent most of my life being of service to other people, uh, being consumed with social justice issues. So that's really what 
sort of the appearance I gave in life. But those people who knew me, who lived with me, who dealt with me on a daily basis, they saw someone entirely different. They saw someone who was a rageaholic, who uh, uh, was involved with every conceivable drug, sex, drugs, alcohol. I abused them all. You know, I like to say that, uh, you know, I drank, uh, you know, to have the courage to face my problems. I took dope so I could ease the stress of my life. And I uh, took ecstasy to sit there and just sort of try and figure out what was going on in my life. None of it worked. None of it worked until I came to the point of just sitting there and becoming desperate. And uh, I originally didn't come into this program. I came into another program dealing with sex, you know, you know, my sex addiction. And I came in there because I was seeing someone at that time and uh, a, a therapist. And uh, I say I went there out of uh, holy obedience. He told me that um, if I didn't do that, he wasn't going to see me anymore. And so that's what got me in there. But uh, the real, my, and I was in there for a number of years, but food was always the major issue in my life, and I couldn't escape from it. Um, one of the things that I came in here and I want to talk about, uh, particularly to the newcomers, is um, we talk a lot in these rooms about abstinence. And um, for me, I was very confused about that. I didn't know what that meant. And uh, so I'll just share this. Um, everyone in this room knows when they're abstinent and when they're not abstinent. That's not the problem. The problem is maybe you even have some success in getting abstinent. For me, the problem was staying abstinent. That was the real issue. So I, I remember uh, you know, someone early on in a program sat there and when I asked him to sponsor me, he gave me a card and it sat there and on the card it sat there and it said knowledge so the fact that we all know that we have a problem with food, don't we? Plus awareness, you know, we're, you know, at various times we're aware, man, this, this, this thing is kicking my butt. I, I, I just can't stop. We can't stop. Knowledge plus awareness does not guarantee recovery. That's what I learned. It just gives you a right to sit in that chair, come to a meeting. So it's not an issue about Getting abstinent, for me, it was always an issue about staying abstinent. So, you know, I tried all these things, and it just, uh, you know, and it, you know, I was in for, you know, I lost weight. Things were going good. I, I'm someone who sat there and totally was into the program, but, you know, so after uh, I managed to drop 100 pounds, I thought everything was fine. You know, what, what's the problem? You know, I got, I got it licked. So part of why I agreed to come and talk tonight was because, you know, my story doesn't end there. My story uh, has a big component of relapse in it. So even after dropping 100 pounds, even after being, uh, taking on service positions, going to four meetings a week, working the steps, sponsoring people, the weight was coming on. I couldn't, you know, I didn't understand this. What's going on? You know, 
I thought I was some spiritual giant in the OA program. You know, how is this happening to me? But it did. And it happened, I had to take a look at why that happened. And um, so the way I, li- uh, I like to put it is, um, it happened because uh, my spiritual pants didn't fit anymore. I couldn't get into them. I was, too, I, I was too big to get into my spiritual pants. How do I know this? One of the first things I knew about this, I suffered from a really deadly ism. I hope none of you catch it. I sponsored myself. You know, I had a wonderful sponsor. After years, he left the program. And I figured, well, you know, it's hard to find another sponsor. Things were going well for me. I, I think I can handle this myself. Learn from me. I couldn't. <laughs> you know, I couldn't. You know, and uh, so, you know, um, the weight continued to go up. And I want to share something from, uh, um, from uh, our abstinence book that really hit me at that time when I was being faced with this before I even wanted to admit that I was in relapse. I remember that there was a particular section from the OA absence book which nailed me every time I read it. Ironically, it was an article entitled, It Works If You Work It. The author shared, the disease of compulsive overeating is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It uses any means to rob us of our program of recovery, manipulates us into continuing to use excess or inappropriate food for survival. It keeps us in the bondage of food, fat, overeating, and self-obsession. The disease cuts us off from the world and closes us to the pathway to God. Our recovery is contingent on the elimination of compulsive overeating from our lives so that we can reopen that pathway and keep it clear. Got that? Ten more minutes? Okay. It's only through abstinence that we can do that. To those of us who have come a long way emotionally, spiritually, and physically, that's me but who still carry excess weight. That's me. I can only say that it's the continuous elimination of compulsive eating behaviors that leads to continued recovery from this disease. The fact is, and this is one of the facts of my life today, as long as I'm overweight, I'm eating more food than my body needs. And if I'm eating more than I need, I'm overeating. Simple overeating leads to compulsive overeating, which can lead us right out of the program. So if I remain overweight, then there are still some food choices and eating behaviors that I am not turning over to God. I must continue to eliminate them if I want to to continue recovery. I have to take my abstinence seriously. Everything else in my life must revolve around it. So that was from the abstinence booklet, and that really... um, I really rocked my, my, my boat, you know. Um, so one of the things I, I want to talk about is what changed for me and why. Um, I finally had to admit that I was uh, uh, in relapse when I discovered that I was eating not to nourish my body, not, very, not even to assuage my hunger. I found that I was compulsively eating and eating trying to overcome a craving that was totally beyond my mental control. Even though I was working a program, 
The reality was I had no effective defense against taking that first compulsive bite. My relapse was slow and steady. My weight climbed one pound at a time as I continued to listen to that voice of my disease, which gently assured me that, you know it, it'll be different this time. You can handle it. Go for it. I used to say that my food was never a problem. It was the solution to all my problems. Very soon, this attitude became a very big problem because I began to eat and eat to overcome a craving that was totally beyond my mental control. Like so many others, I loved the way certain foods felt in my body. What happened rather rapidly was my craving for these foods became so great that I simply couldn't stop because that small craving had turned into a compulsion. I simply had to have more and more. Coupled with my physical allergy to certain food products, I also had an obsession of the mind. In fact, I have the mind of a chronic foodaholic. As it's, as it's, at its worst, all I could think about was food, more food, lots of food, mainly junk food. My disease was quite clever in all the devious ways it used to convince me that it was perfectly okay to take that first compulsive bite. I don't need to repeat the excuses, you know them. The reality of my disease is that it's powerful, progressive, and deadly. At some point, I lost all control over my food choices and my food consumption. Things got so bad <laughs> that I had to quit sponsoring myself. You know, I re that, that was it. I, I, you know, I, I, the evidence was right there. So I became desperate, and I had to go and find a sponsor, someone I could work with, someone who would help me. So I went to the, uh, uh, the you know, I'll never forget, I went to the Unity Day in February 2016, and I heard someone speak there. I heard someone sit there and say that the solution is simple, it's spiritual, and it's not part of the problem. I asked this person to sponsor me. Any success that I have had since that moment has been because of their help in getting me to sponsor it, in sponsoring me, and helping me to understand, you know, I'm not just a compulsive overeater. I am a foodaholic. I am someone who has uh, an an adverse reaction to food in all forms, in certain foods in particular. And uh, it kind of acts on me the way alcohol acts on an alcoholic. So I say this, and it sounds like dramatic, but that's how I have to see my disease, because my disease will kill me. I'm someone who is a third-generation diabetic. Um, by the grace of God, I don't... I, I've, don't have to take any medication today, but that can change, you know? And I view my, my diabetes as a gift from my higher power because it sits there and reminds me all the time of where my disease will take me. So I want to, you know, I want to talk about uh, uh, what my sponsor taught me more than anything was that I have to sit there and I have to eliminate the cravings. And I have to eliminate the cravings 
And what that means is I, I have to see this, it's like a substance, and I have to eliminate the substance, you know? And part of my problem is, you know, I cannot get abstinent until these, you know, I, I believe, this is my experience, I can't even work with steps unless I'm abstinent. Now, I didn't understand that for so many years in this program, but I can't. If I'm not absent, I can't work with steps. I can only go so far. You know, that's me. That's my, the gravity of my disease because I'm a foodaholic and I have that substance in me until I get rid of it. I just, you know, I'm, I'm just spinning my wheels, you know? And so for me today, I have to, um, you know, I hear some of my sponsees sit there and they say to me, well, you know, I ask, how's your food? Well, it's okay. I'm not judging them, but I'm telling you right now, okay for me doesn't work. It doesn't work, you know? Uh, the way I look at my abstinence now is I either am or I'm not. It's black and white. It's black and white, just like an alcoholic. You pick it up or you don't. That, that clear. Because I have a disease that will kill me straight up, you know? And I have to look at it with that much seriousness. And uh, so one of the things that I have to do is I have to, uh, uh, you know, take it seriously. Every morning when I sit there, after I do my prayer and meditation, I sit there and I check my blood sugar. I'm not Barry Bonds. I can't sit there and fake it. I can't sit there and take all this kind of stuff so it looks good. You know, it shows up right there. And, you know, the thing about it, when I take my blood sugar, it, it's the truth. It tells me everything. It, I, I can look at that, and when I, if that number is high, I know exactly what I did. I know exactly why it's high. So I can't sit there and, and shuck and jive to you and say, oh, well, you know, it was just a bad day, you know, I mean, you know, like a bad urine test. No. You know, I know exactly why it, the number is what it is. And I can go back and I can see, oh, well... I ate late, I ate too much. Usually, huh, I ate the wrong thing. You know, that's usually what it is, you know? And so I'm grateful to know that. I'm, because I, 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 it means I've got to face the facts of my life. A passage in the Voice and Recovery book is a stark reminder of the gravity of relapse to me. It says, I've seen too many people with years of abstinence in OA, and we all have, if you've been in this, in this program, leave this program, fall into serious relapse and weight gain. These were compulsive overeaters who worked serious programs. Yeah, and who had experienced fully the freedom and joy of serenity of recovery. Why did they fall from grace? Because they have a chronic, incurable disease that requires daily application of his program and conscious surrender to God. Circumstances in their lives distracted them from remembering that abstinence was and always must be their most pressing concern. Self-will, ego, denial will always lead us back into self-destruction with food. I'm not, I'm not reading that for you. I'm reading that for me. I need to remember that. I need to remember that all the time because that was me. How did I get here? How did I get here? For me, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. 
Abstinence is freedom from compulsive overeating. Today, I am more interested in, and I'm really grateful to one of my sponsees who taught me this. Today, I am more interested in being sober abstinent. You know, because there's people in our program who are abstinent, physically absent, five minutes, who are abstinent physically, but emotionally and spiritually, they're a wreck. So when I talk about being sober abstinent, I'm talking about, it's not just about the food. So I want to be sober abstinent. And in order to do that, but in order to do that, I must first put first things first. And that means putting the fork down. That is the first step. I have to remember that. That's where it starts. It's not reading the steps. It's putting the fork down. It's not putting the food in my mouth. I had to be completely out of a food before I could continue in recovery. I had to get desperate enough that I was willing to go to any lengths and surrender at lengths. Thank you for reading that because that's what it's all about. To surrender at depth. As the big book reminds us, there's no way to find relief from our food addiction through human aid alone. Trust me, I've tried it. Our only hope was to accept the spiritual help which was suggested in the 12 steps. What did I do? First, I had to get honest with myself about the reality of my disease. With the help of my current sponsor, I've accepted certain facts. I'm just a chronic foodaholic. I will always be a compulsive overeater. I don't know about you, but I don't get to graduate from this program. I've cycled through the steps three or four times. I'm not getting a diploma. Every day, I have to get up and start over again. You know, I can't, you know, I couldn't stop compulsively eating without triggering the phenomenon of craving, and I couldn't manage my own life, particularly as regards to food. I tried everything, diets, restricting, exercise. I continued to fail until I found from my, the only thing that arrested my disease was total abstinence. To achieve this, I simply had to be willing to turn my will and my life over to the care of a power greater than myself and be willing to follow a few simple rules. You know, my home group is the relapse and recovery meeting on Wednesday nights. And I'm not ashamed to say that because that's where I, if you will, recovered. Not the first time through, but the second time through. I had to go through relapse. I had to see the severity of my disease before I really could become abstinent. I've learned to keep my focus clear. Can I be abstinent today? Yes, I can, and my food is clean. However, my journey in recovery doesn't stop there. My sponsor constantly reminds me that there is no graduation. Since becoming abstinence, the challenge becomes, can I continue to put this design for living that has been given me into practical use day by day? The question today isn't just, can I just be abstinent? The acid test for me is, can I stay sober abstinent, keeping an emotional balance and live to good purpose under all conditions? With the help of my higher power, that is my goal for today. In OA, we have a saying, the road gets narrower, but the horizons get broader. I don't know about you, but I keep coming back because I want all the promises to come true in my life. 
I want to learn how to stay abstinent, be happy, joyous, and free. With the help of my sponsor and by working the steps, I can do this one day at a time. Thank you.